Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall, as I interview leaders in the bar industry. We'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Are you a social bar butterfly or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy-now-pay-later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. All right, Bar Variations podcast listeners, I've got a great exclusive deal for you. I know one thing for sure, and that's that we all have too many grippy socks in our closet, but we can't get enough. So (laughs) the Point Studio has offered you, the listeners, a discount on their amazing grippy socks. They're the next best thing from being barefoot. You get 15% off your order with the code BAR VARIATIONS. That's code BAR VARIATIONS, all one word, to receive 15% off your next purchase at pointstudio.com. Want a one-stop shop for all your bar needs? Over the past few years, Bar Where You Are has continued to evolve to offer something for every bar enthusiast out there. Through their ever-growing on-demand workout library, weekly live stream options, small in-person classes, and multiple instructor trainings and workshops, Bar Where You Are strives to deliver joy, accessibility, and a sense of community. Oh, and did I mention their super cute bar swag for all you bar babes? Head over to www.barwhereyouaresc.com to check out all they have going on and use promo code BVBWYA for 10% off. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news for those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. has apparel designed for and inspired by bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, you'll be happy to know they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of the bar world. Check out their go-to line of screen-printed goodies including workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. Plus, they've recently introduced digital products including creative resources for bar professionals and studio owners to take the guesswork out of what to post online so you can spend more time managing your business and less time worrying about what you're going to post on Instagram. 
And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the Bar Variations podcast. I'm here today with Jill Daly from The Daily Method. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. So excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Um, you were a big reach for me. I was like, I wonder if I wonder if Jill would actually do it. I know a lot of people don't know who I am, and I've kind of come into the bar scene Um I don't want to say forcefully, but with the goal of trying to make those connections and to be a place where, um, you know, everybody from different bar backgrounds can come together and celebrate what they've learned from other people and whatnot. So thank you for doing this. I'm very excited. It was a, I was like, yes, I got Jill. (laughs) Anytime someone gives me an opportunity to talk about bar for 60 minutes or 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, it's one of my favorite topics. Exactly. And you know what? I was just, the podcast was born out of, wait, no one else is doing this. And I just felt like it was a great place for all of us to come together and share our methods and share our passions and share our businesses. And, you know, I coming from the Pilates background or dance background myself, like there's so much content out there and magazines and books and, um, bar still a baby in that sense. So I'm excited that, uh, we can be here sharing our conversation together today. So the first question I ask all the guests. It's sometimes a big one, sometimes not a big one, but how did you get your start in movement? So I'm going to make you take me way back, whether you were two years old or 20 years old to the beginning of your movement journey. Um, Well, at a young age, I always wanted to be a dancer. And so I took a lot of classes growing up. I took ballet, jazz, um, tap, kind of every single thing that my parents would allow me to take. And did that all kind of growing up. And then in high school, I had this incredible dance program in my high school that I was really fortunate to be able to participate on in. And that really gave me my love of dance and applied to UCLA as a dance major. Did that for a year and realized in taking some other courses during that time that I loved moving my own body, but I also was absolutely fascinated about the human body and decided to transfer. And I went to UCLA um, for kinesiology. No, no, sorry. I went to Boulder, Colorado and got my degree in kinesiology and really like studied the body from there. And that kind of took me into the next phase. That's amazing. I mean, something the West Coast does that the East Coast doesn't is integrating the arts, especially movement arts in schools. And I don't know if it's because the East coast were so dense and close to a city where you have Philadelphia and New York and Boston, like Chicago, like it's very easy to get to if you're in the suburbs. I don't know if that's kind of the reasoning why like, Oh, well, it's already out there. But I remember living there myself and there were so many opportunities to teach in the schools. And I, I loved that. And I did, I did an after school program. Um, but, uh, I was just like, wow, like everybody's kind of trying it. It's just, it can be really serious and it can be for fun. And I just, I thought that was such a great, great thing to teach kids to, you know, be comfortable in their body and gain confidence and strength at the same time. Yeah. I did a lot of that kind of in the early years of my career working with kids and I love it. Yeah. I somehow fell into anybody that knows me will laugh like 
the kids hip hop realm. I don't know if it's because it's so fun and it's not really, I, okay. I'm not going to say it's not technique based, but it's not technique based in the sense of proper alignment or creating certain lines or broken lines. It's moving in your own style and flair. So I think that resonates with children a lot where you can express yourself even more by not having to be perfect or being a little bit of yourself. And so anyways, I fell into the the hip hop realm of kids. It was, it's so fun. Um, yeah. And it's great to like carry that through. Now, when you were in college, um, and learning about kinesiology, how were you able to kind of apply your dance knowledge, which is not so maybe anatomically spoken about when you're in class. And then how were you able to kind of tie those two together and make maybe some aha moments during your um, degree? Well, during, during my degree, I mean, I actually, I mean, I did dance all through college, even when I was in Boulder, but I think it's just the fascination with the way the body moves and how like, it's so complex and it's an amazing thing. And just being able to like see a body move, but then understand how it's moving even from the visceral level. Oh, so yeah, it, it is fascinating. I think that's why a lot of us are in this, it's like what we can achieve and what the body is capable of is, is really astounding. And, you know, so the transition into bar is not a a mystery, right? If you're a dancer, you're into kinesiology, but you um, transitioned in a place where, you know, it was really hot and happening at the time. So can you share about your transition into bar and we'll get into kind of where you started studying? Yeah. Well, my transition into bar, it started, I actually started, I moved to San Francisco when I graduated from college and I started studying Pilates. So I taught, I trained in Pilates and I taught Pilates for, I don't know, like seven years, really before people, a lot of people knew what Pilates was. And I also did a lot of personal training at that time. And I was introduced to the Lottie Burke method from a client of mine that was from New York. And I would go to New York every single opportunity I had and take classes there. And I would do Pilates training too. And then I would go take Lottie Burke classes. And I just loved it so much. And I started bringing it back and kind of incorporating it in the training that I did with my one-on-one clients and they loved it. And we were seeing results from like, you know, different results from them, like doing this regularly. Uh, So that was, you know, and so then I went to New York, I've never lived in New York and like really studied in New York, but I went out there and I studied with a woman named Debbie Frank, who used to work for Lottie Burke for years. And then she had her own studio in Westchester. That was the Debbie Frank exercise studio. And I went out her and out there and she and I became like best friends immediately. I actually got off the train and we were wearing the same leopard gloves. (laughs) Um, really bonded. And uh, she gave me a lot of my foundation of Lottie Burke. And then I just, when I moved back to San Francisco, I decided, well, I'm, I'd rather have an impact on 16, 20 people at a time than one person at a time with this method. So I decided to open up my own studio and just kind of melded it into my Pilates work that I'd done and the kinesiology, kinesiology knowledge that I had and made it my own bar. That's great. I mean, I know, from my own Pilates training, training under um, teachers that trained with Romana is very different um, from Fletcher Pilates, which I discovered when I moved out to California, which is very Martha Graham and yeah. you know, based plus Pilates, a lot of floor work. And he does standing bar work. And I'm like, yeah, duh. He's a 
dancer. Like, so making those like kind of clicks, um, kind of with the different modalities, I always found super fascinating. And when I started Pilates as well, it was just one-on-one. It was a very looked down upon if you had a group class, you know, outside of mat. Yeah. And that's so not the case now. Like now they're all group classes. Yeah. All group classes. So it's, I'm, it's interesting that you said, you know, making more of an impact than just one-on-one and, you know, how was that transition from you teaching, you know, private sessions and then translating that to getting the same results in a larger group? Yeah, it was, um, it was actually a pretty easy transition. I had, I think when I first opened, you know, nobody, there were not fitness studios around like boutique fitness. I think there was one other like step aerobics class in the Marina district in San Francisco at the time. Like it was just not really what people were doing. And it, I mean, people just flooded the door right away. And I just, it was so exciting and inspiring. And, you know, I got so much energy from it that it was actually a really easy transition. It also helped while I was the only teacher. I can't believe I opened up a studio and I had no other teachers. And I was teaching like 25 classes a week, but I had the stamina because I was, well, I was young. I didn't have kids yet. And Mm -hmm. I was used to doing like seven, eight personal training sessions a day. And so just to translate that to doing like four or five classes a day, it was, um, it was really easy. I felt like I got more energy from teaching those classes with larger groups of people than when I was just doing the one-on-one. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think a lot of people don't realize Pilates teachers that work like when Pilates teachers say, Oh, I work like 25, 30 hours a week. And it's mostly privates. It is way harder than teaching like group classes and, you know, you're in the land of yoga, right. In San Francisco. And I always laughed, like my, I worked at a yoga studio teaching Pilates and I, they're like, Oh, you know, it's a, it's a busy day. I got four classes today. And I'm like, Whoa, I got 14. Like, (laughs) so I always like would laugh. And, you know, when it comes to the different cultures in the city and in the fitness world, what were some good and maybe some not good takeaways that you have from each um, kind of scenario or modality that you've been involved with? Um, well, I am an avid student. So whenever I like, I go to New York whenever I can, I go to LA so that I can take all different classes and I'm not picky, I'm not picky about what studios or what classes I take. I'm, I'm a little more, I like, I choose my teachers, so people that I know that really have experience or they're the founders. Um, but I, I just love getting inspiration and seeing what's out there. And I feel like, you know, you learn something from every modality that you take, whether it's something that like, oh, I could add that into my class or, oh my God, don't ever do that again. Right. And so I think the positive is just like being able to learn and grow and being able to incorporate things when you find a cue or an exercise that like you hadn't really thought about how that could fit into it. Um, but then I think the the not so good is sometimes like the trends, like what I love Pilates has been around forever and it's still growing yoga bar is like, you know, still going. And some of the trends that these studios pick up on that you go take a class and you're like, I don't, I don't understand. It's like not healthy for the body. It's not, you know, good for the soul. So I think that that's kind of the trends are what turns me off a little bit. Yeah. I, having lived in LA, it was definitely a fascination of mine to collect uh, the different things that were happening. It was, I was like, 
very fascinated with sandbox fitness. It was a all sand inside the studio and they did like boot camp in the studio on the sand. And I'm like, that's fascinating. Also, is it kind of gross? Is that like equal to carpet? Like I'm not really. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And then my all time favorite was training mate, which was just very attractive Australian men that would just take you through a boot camp and tell you how pretty you are. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'd show up for that. That's, a- <laughs> but it, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really great to like, see what's out there, recognize like kind of what is a trend and why certain things work, right? Yeah. The, the body moves in a specific way right? It only moves in the way that it moves. And so being able to understand that and then putting it into different uh, positions and exercises that, you know, honor the body's proper mechanics, I think is important. Um, but also fascinating where people's brains go, right? So you definitely felt a pull after so many years of teaching to create your own method. Can you kind of take us through that journey of when you felt that pull and how it started? Well, I, I really felt that pull. Um, it was, I went to New York and I was doing a, I think it was like a week long workshop with Romana and it was really intense, like higher level Pilates training. And I would go and I would take Lottie Burke classes, like on my off hours. And it's like, I couldn't walk down the street after the Lottie Burke classes. Like I was so sore and I'm like, how am I doing like all this work? And then this is having such an impact on me. And so I really kind of reflected on that and realized that I feel like this method for me was more effective and more exciting and came back. I was recently married and kind of was like, honey, I think I want to do something totally different. I want to have my own studio. And I thought that I would just have my one little studio in San Francisco. And that's kind of what I would do forever. But I really think that it was like that idea that I'd have the capacity to help more people. And it really became like my aspiration to share the method with other people. And then as it started growing into um, a franchise people and women really, really wanted it, I could give women could have careers. They could take their kids to work with them. Daily Methods always had a really strong childcare component in their studios and just offer like to their community and be a bigger part of their community and give back. So that's kind of what drove it past just my first studio. Mm, I love that. And that kind of ties right into, um, can you even share with us like maybe a top three of like the unique aspects of what makes the daily method, the daily method? Yeah. Um, well, our alignment principles, like we really alignment is such a priority for us in everything we do from our setup with our marching, training people, how to work their bodies in neutral and moving throughout the entire class. Uh, we always continue to evolve, but it's always like in that direction of alignment. So we don't deviate from what we know works. We just improve upon it and have a really, really strong component of collaboration within the company. I have, Um, you know, we, we're always open to grow and to change, but it's in a direction that, you know, like it's improving upon what's already there versus changing something just completely differently. Um, I have a lot of, I mean, I have teachers, my master teacher trainer, Katina, who teaches for me here in the Bay area and is also one of the master teacher trainers for all of the owners. She's been with me for 15 years. Mm. 
So it's like, you know, I have to, I can say it's like, it's not just the Jill Daly method. It's like, you know, it's been this collaboration of all these people working side by side with me that have the passion. It's like, hey, can we try this exercise and let's talk about it? And it works, but wait, it doesn't work if you do it this way. It only works if you do it this way. So that's really, you know, what's been able to support the growth um, of the actual practice. But we, it's our, our alignment principles are align, engage, move. So it's, we focus on foundation and how you foundation first, because then you can stack the bones the right way. And so you're aligning the body and then you engage the muscles around that and then you move. So all of our modifications come from a point of like, if someone's moving and they're not in alignment, you just take them back that step. You just get them re-engaged. And that's really the primary like focus that we do with each of our exercises and classes. I love that. That's so great. And uh, bringing up the childcare aspect, I mean, being a mom now myself, I'm like, I'm building a home studio because I can't go, I'm not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> right. And I need that childcare. And that's such a big demographic of people who come to bar are especially if they're coming in the afternoon, their moms, they're dropping their kids off at school or they have a little one, they need somebody to watch. And, you know, being a company that supports women in their journey of whether they are working for you or they're coming to take classes, I think a very unique thing to just embed that into your company culture, like right away, you know? Absolutely. Well, I have three kids. They're all great big kids now. They're all bigger than me, but they, they grew up at the studio. And I personally didn't have any child care myself until I had my third, because I would just bring them to the studio with me and they'd be in the child care while I was working. They'd play, you know, if I would stay after class, they'd play and work. Um, I had the third and then I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can take three kids to the studio with me every day. So I got a little bit more help, but like, I really understand that that, that support of being able to like have a job, have a career and have your kids with you. I got to be a full-time mom. I didn't feel like I had to leave my kids in yeah. order to have this profession, which is, was really, really supportive for me because I, I like my kids. I wanted to spend time with them. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. I, I, being a dancer as well, like it was so taboo, like to tell people like, I want to get married and have a family. And people are like, oh, it just wasn't the world that like, that should have been the first thing you were thinking of. And when I did my Pilates training, I was like, oh, I can always do this when I have kids. You know, they, I was had the pleasure of working at studios where they allowed children in there. They had their own kids and, you know, we were flexible. I'm holding my client's kid while it's a one-on-one. -on -one. We're the only ones in the studio. I'm like, why not? put the iPad on for your three-year-olds. It's fine. We're the only ones here. So I know that can be like a funny thing, especially in a modality that can tend to speak to the twenties, you know, the, the young ladies that, Oh, like they look fit without like, you know, they sneezed and their abs are like in a six pack or, you know, they look fresh and sleep, like not sleep. <laughs> so I feel like bar a lot of times can speak to a younger audience. So being able to support women in every aspect is, uh, is very well rounded of you as a company owner and, um, leader in the industry. And, you know, having read some stuff about, you know, your mission and your vision and definitely the reasoning behind your logo, which is so beautiful. It's just so simple and perfect. And I would love for you to share with the listeners its meaning, because I know it's so grounded in what the daily method is. 
Yeah. So we, um, our logo really stands for the most targeted workout. And that's been our goal really from the beginning is to make it something that's like super, super effective. It's really safe, but, um, you know, we used to say longer, leaner, stronger, and more fit was one of our like taglines, which we don't use anymore, but it really is that. But I think that there's also been this like shift to make it more balanced and connected to the body. There's been you know, a lot more integration of mind body work, you know, meditations at the end. So that it's really this holistic, like inside out type of fitness and well-being. I love that. And, um, depend, you, you almost can like tell people's name or their slogans by like what year they came out. (laughs) I, I definitely, I was involved with another company and it, uh, it was like, sculpt and did it like it was like the three words and um I so I always I find wording and look and uh slogans like equally as fascinating as anything like I I love them so much I think they're great and um and that's kind of like where like that fad of the phrasing right like the culture of the times like we can change you know and grow like our companies can change and grow and our missions can change and grow but your logo, I'm like, it's right at the center, right? That doesn't change. Like the meat of it doesn't really change um, the overall mission, but we can, we can change our colors. We can change the logo. We can change the colors. I don't know if you know, it used to be really like really like bright green, bright orange, and almost like fluorescent colors. And a couple of years ago, I was like done with this. Like we've got to mute it out and make it a little more mature and a little softer and a little more current. So, but that's, you know, that's all I had a logo that was like, hot. I didn't get rid of the target. I just wanted to yeah. update the colors and I could do that. And, and then, and they say something of the times as well, right? I had a hot pink and hot green logo at one time. Like it's like, and it was fabulous when you started it, right? Yes. I mean, like purple was a big thing at one time. Um, I just did an interview with um, Andrea Rogers from extend bar, but like using the X, like either like capital or instead of EX, like was such a thing at a time. And like, so I, I also find that it's like a little bit of an archive of the culture of fitness in general. And, you know, you've been in it for a long time and your San Francisco Marina district studio is still the longest running bar fitness studio on the West coast. That's incredible. That's an amazing accomplishment. And can you share kind of what the early days looked like? You shared a little bit before, but what those early days looked like at the studio in San Francisco. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, like, first of all, zero competition. (laughs) So (laughs) people would walk in and like, they, they had immediate passion and excitement for how different it was. And I think also like the group fitness, like that was newer because it was a lot of like personal training or people going out and working in gyms, you know, maybe some like cycling, but not that, you know, in a room, a whole bunch of women. And it, it, it like created this incredible community um, compared to like some of their previous practices. And they just saw their bodies change so quickly. So it was, it was exciting. And, you know, and then, you know, competition did come in and I am someone who's like not afraid of competition. I don't even like the word competition that much because I think that it all makes us better. Yeah. And, you know, you have to have someone, someone pushing you to make sure that you um, stay on your game. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I tell people like working in New York city in the fitness industry, when the boutique fitness boom happened, you know, class pass, started, 
you know, a little bit later while I was there, but like watching it go from like gym to like, now you can have a studio dedicated. That's not just yoga. It's not just Pilates, but dedicated to a very specific modality is was so awesome to watch. And it changed, changed the game. And, um, I taught at a Pilates studio. There was four studios within one block. I don't see it. It's not competition. I can't see everybody. Not everybody's going to like me. And what better way to spread, even in a group fitness class, what max 16 people can come. Maybe, maybe 20, maybe you're like in a huge space and you're fitting 20 people. Yeah. If you're in a town, even if it's small, there's, I live in a small town. There's 18,000 people here. That's considered small. I'm not going to be able to reach 18,000 people ever because not all of them like bar, whatever their age and all of that. And so there's still, you know, there's still rooms. I never view it as like, oh, they're taking away from something from me. I'm like, good, go take their class. Come back to me. Let's see how we can fix the schedule. So, you know, we can all be here at the same time. And, um, I love that. It's such a great attitude to have, because I know I coach teachers that they get afraid. Oh, I'm, I'm the only studio in town because they're in a small town. And all of a sudden another one pops up. It's like, oh, it's okay. Like keep doing what you're doing and your people will continue to come to you, you know? So, um, you know, when deciding, you know, so you have- and people like to try different things and being okay with that too. Like, you know, you know, it's if they want to go take, I go take yoga classes sometimes. I mostly do bar, but I like to go do other things too. So accepting that like someone's not going to just only do your, your method. Yeah. And I think class pass was a good thing when it came to that. And then also seeing it as it, it fail very in a short period of time and short period of being what over like six years that they were around where they started and the studios had a little bit more control about how many people they could accept and not accept. And it was great advertising until it was like not until everyone devalued their classes to a point that they didn't have control over because you have a third party deciding what's going to be discounted and what points and they did so many crazy things. And yeah, I mean, that it was, it was a mess at the end of like trying to yeah. like, I, I mean, I'm like, I am spending way too much time focusing on fixing up my class pass schedule all the time so that people can't come in and take my cycle classes at 9am because class pass shouldn't get those. And yeah, yeah it was, <sighs> are they still around? I, I'm, they are still around. Um, I think that there might be an acquisition soon, but um, they, from what I understand, they're actually really working with studios to help give them a little bit, you know, higher, you know, higher bonus for what the students are and, you know, not because I mean, sometimes I'd see someone in a class and I was like, I'm getting $5 for this person. No. Oh, if you're lucky. I mean, I think I was taking people at like $2 and they were on a 99 a month. I think the first membership they launched in New York was $99 a month, unlimited classes, unlimited studios who were signed up. I mean that. And then if you canceled, you got a month free membership anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the good was like, oh, I reached people that would have never come to take certain classes. And then, yeah, you could see, and I tell you know, this is for the listeners and like my coaching clients, 
the minute you discount yourself, you have to be ready to stay on that discount train. Yeah. And always know they're not going to pay your quote unquote full price. So you better start up. So you go down because once, once you're discounted, you're always discounted. Yeah. Um, I am 100% I, with you on that. That's like, don't give away your first class for free. Yes. Don't do it. I, it pained me the day I had to do That's the seven day expensive class. Right. And then they can get it down if they buy a package. Jill, you're speaking to my heart because the day my marketing team was like, everyone's doing a seven day free trial. I'm like, I don't want to do it. It took me four years and I was like, fine, fine. I don't, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> but those are anyone that signs up for that and they, they cancel. I'm like, you're not my people. And that's fine. And I accepted that it, whatever. But I tell, I'm like, I, in an in-person class, I would never ever say, Hey, come watch my class and just sit there. Right. No, like you wouldn't do that for any, Hey, why don't you come and like, watch this whole show and then decide if you're going to pay. Like to me, it's mind boggling. And I know it's such a taboo thing in fitness, especially now. Again, I'm an internet person. We got YouTube. We got all the things. There's stuff out there for free. I don't need to be that free person. However, if you dig deep, the person on YouTube is probably monetizing their stuff. They probably have sponsorships and brand ambassadorships. So they're making money somewhere not putting the value into the actual class. So it, it just, I think makes it tricky when people come into the fitness world and like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to teach these free class. No, there's gotta be an end. Are you teaching a community class to say, hello, here I am. I'm offering these classes. It's a one-time deal and then sign up, blah, 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 blah. So I, I, I always find that like such a long hard conversation to have with people. I I mean, I do actually love the idea of community classes and we did did a lot of those actually virtually when we first started because it gave people the opportunity that, because not everybody can afford it, you know, and it gives them the opportunity if I can't afford it, but our community classes were like, pay what you want. So some people would still pay what the price was and some people would pay $3, but they would get in and get to take a class and exposure. Yeah. And there's, there's a mission behind that. And that's, I'm, I do charity classes. I do, you know, free classes sometimes, but never really attached to my main membership. It's always outside. It's a different audience. I'm serving people that yes, either can't afford it or we're fundraising for something else or, you know, so it's, it's a different crew where, you know, for years, like doing the classes at like Athleta or Lululemon, like, oh, I'm going to teach all these like community classes for them. And they're going to come find me. I'm like, they're not coming to find yeah, me. So find you. Yeah. yeah, they're not coming to find me. I'm getting my discounted clothes and I'm doing a good service for the community. Yeah. And then it ends, you know, <laughs> but it, you know, it all builds and all gives you exposure and it, whatever. But yeah, it's, there has to be always something tethered to the mission. I think when it comes to those things, I learned that so early at the Pilates studio that I worked at, um, in the very beginning in San Francisco, they used to give their first Pilates session away your first Pilates class for free. And Mm -hmm. we could have three people that we had three reformers and three mats. So you could either do a mat or reformer class. And 
first of all, the people were like, they were just looky loos. Like they just came in and they, most of them were not really, didn't even know what Pilates was, wasn't that interested in it. They were looking for a free class and they didn't come back. And they were some of the most more challenging people to work with because they weren't like excited about being there. You need a little buy-in. Right. No, totally. And if you offer something for free, you're going to get people who just want to, oh, sure, I'll check this out. Free ice cream day at Haagen-Dazs. I am there. Or Ben and Jerry's. I think they do a free ice cream day the first day of summer. <laughs> that line's right. Of course. Yeah. Like, sure, why not? Okay. But yeah, it's a not It's not as a tar- It's not as targeted audience. You're not really reaching people who were curious, but like not sure. Yeah. It's, it's a balance when it comes to nonstop for sure. Um, but, you know, having done this for so long, you've decided to expand your studios and turn into a franchise. And can you share like how challenging or not challenging that was to choose to that decision and also the locations that you're in? Yeah, it was a really hard decision for me in the beginning because I wanted that purity of the method And I was really concerned if you put it out in other studios, how do you like control the quality of it? And I had, she's a good friend of mine now, her name is Susan Wilbridge. She owns a studio in Piedmont, California. And she used to drive 45 minutes a day there and back to come take my classes. And she was like, please, please, please let me open up a studio in Piedmont. And I was just really nervous about it. And I said, you know what, why don't I do this? I will train you you can open up your own bar class and we can just be friends and collaborate. And so she went down that journey until one day when I realized like we were, I was training her and she was talking about an exercise and we were looking at it and we kind of reconfigured it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's making me better. And I want that. I want that to be part of my growth. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to give you the daily method name. And it really grew organically from there. I, most of my owners were former teachers or former students that loved it so much that wanted to bring it to their community. I, you know, in the, it's always been that if you want to be a daily method owner, you have to be a teacher. You can't just own the studio. So I knew I was getting people that were really passionate about the movement and wanted to teach and people that could teach. There were definitely challenges. I mean, I made some bad choices, but most of the really all the choices that I made that ended up not working out were ones that I didn't trust my instinct where I was like, I'm not sure this is the right person for our brand. And I'm not sure that it's completely aligned and was convinced otherwise, either by my business partner or by, you know, somebody else who really knew them. So it's just, you know, trained me to hone my instincts better. And I stay much truer to my instincts now. Yeah, there's always going to be trial and error in that. And that that's a scary thing to trust other people. And I, I think that's great that, you know, they're teachers first. I always tell people, like, before you hire someone to do the job that you want, see if you can figure it out. See if you can do it first. Now, okay, we're talking about, like, websites and tech, like that. When things get, like, out of your realm and you know quickly, like, oh, I looked into this, I can't do it. Sure. I mean, even today, like, I did something funky on my website. It was scheduled for maintenance and it wouldn't, that message wouldn't go away. Google's an amazing place. (laughs) Yeah. How do I get scheduled for maintenance off of the screen? You know, and I was able to figure it out because I've tinkered with my website enough in the past that even though I have somebody 
manage it and help me now, I can kind of figure those things out. So then I don't have to maybe pay somebody for those hours of like doing something that I can do myself. I just, that insight you have as a teacher, knowing what it's like to be on a schedule and have to take vacation or have to set the schedule and client relations. I mean, that is so important. The whole culture behind it is so unique. I think to fitness, you can even say dance as well. Like having somebody that maybe just has a business background or opened a restaurant before, it's so different, so different than anything else. And for me, it was also like the teacher feedback. Like you have to be able to go in and assess your teachers and know, you know, if they, if they need help somewhere, where they need help and how to find them that help. And if you're not a teacher yourself, that's a very, very hard thing to cite. Yeah. It's, yeah. And especially if you don't know the ins and outs of the method, I've worked for companies where um, even the marketing team had to go through a teacher training. So then they could speak to what was actually happening in those weekends, you know, and I loved that. And, um, you know, as a leader of many teachers, can you share kind of one common theme amongst teachers that you see everyone struggle with and your advice for them? Yeah. I think that the, one of the biggest things is like just keeping your teachers inspired and wanting to continue to grow because it's very easy to come in, like have your class, teach your class, teach your class, you know, not, you know, not change your music very much and just kind of start getting into this rote thing, which then makes you bored and you boring. Right. And so for, um, for us, like you want to get them to stay inspired and grow. We have hashtag always be a student. We're continually doing continuing education, doing workshops. Like they even get like fit tips and things every single month to help keep them inspired. There's a private Facebook page just for teachers. And this is like, you know, internationally, all of the teachers are part of this um, connection. You know, it's like if the, you, you know, have meetings where you get together with your teachers, where they feel connected to you, they feel seen by you makes a huge difference. Even if it's just nothing work related, you just take them out for a glass of wine every couple of months so that people can get together. Um, feedback is so important. Like sometimes it's hard for people to take feedback, but we have this culture of feedback that when someone takes your class, they give you a keep and a grow. So they tell you something that was like amazing about your class and something where they feel like, you know, that could be worked on. And I mean, it can, sometimes it can just be an easy thing. Like you overworked the anterior deltoid a little bit too much. Like it would have been better to change the arm work to here, but it's like a little something that keeps them constantly thinking about their choreography and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think it's just like the inspiration and keeping that connection with them and being, you know, being part of their path. Yeah. Being seen is important, especially when you teach group fitness, even though you're in a group full of people, it can feel pretty lonely. You don't have anyone else. Like I loved that about teaching at a Pilates studio, even though I was teaching, you know, to one person in a private session, I'm here, you know, you're hearing and you're seeing all of this stuff happen around you. And, you know, in a classical studio, that's so open and all the equipment's everywhere. And even for the people in the private session, they could kind of be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. I see what they're doing over there. But in a group class, your students get more of the community than you do as a teacher. So it is so important as a manager, as an owner to see your people, make sure you're connecting in. And it's, you know, it's not easy. It's it's more 
to do, but it's, it's important for everyone to feel a part of the team. It also helps them when you make them feel a part of that team that they work with each other better, like covering each other's schedules and all of that. Mm -hmm. If they they get to have a little bit of social connection, like outside just classes, it helps a lot. Oh, oh yes. Oh yes. (laughs) It's like, you know, you're not going to necessarily care about somebody's, you know, needing to take off if you're, if you're not involved with you know, what's happening in their life. And then it's, yeah, I a hundred percent, I'm all about connection and relationships. And I just think it, when you have the right alignment, even in your own relationships and your business and with your teachers, you know, it fits in those decisions that, well, what you were saying before about trusting your gut and following your own instincts. And when it comes to staying aligned in your mission for the daily method, what are your top three values with every project or every decision that you make that you have to meet in order to know that it's going to be the right decision now? Um, Well, alignment is always like our primary thing. Like it has to be something that we feel aligned with and that we feel is aligned with what we're doing. Um, it's, you know, it's that it's safe, it's effective, it's results driven and feels good. Collaboration and feedback is also really important. Like, you know, if we're all looking at something together, it's, um, I own the company, but I 100% don't, you know, unilaterally make all of the decisions. I want everyone to sit down and talk to me about this and give me their feedback and give me their input and make a decision from that. Um, I've learned so much from making sure that like I get feedback in collaboration with my decisions and trusting my instincts. Like that's, you know, I, I'm older, I am wiser and I know how to trust my instincts. And it's a really, really valuable thing to do because we all have it in us, but we question ourselves um, a lot. And that's a really valuable thing to hone. Yeah. If it doesn't feel good, I'm that part, like I, if I'm, my first reaction isn't like a fist in the air of excitement and I get nervous. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I have to wait and like feel it out. And then if I'm still, then it's a no for me, but yeah, it, yeah. Getting in tuned with that inner compass, I think is super important on all fronts and, you know, it will dictate your future of it being exciting. It's staying fresh, the inspiration and, you know, for the future of daily method. I know you guys have some fun, exciting things. We're getting a little bit of an exclusive here on the podcast. So lucky for the listeners. So if you want to share kind of what's up and coming for you guys. Yeah. Well, the first thing we did is we digitized our foundations of bar, which is really our entry level. Um, Teachers need to take it in order to audition to be a teacher, but it's an incredible program that teaches anatomy alignment, the basics of bar. Like it's there's, I really don't think there's anything like it. And it's right for anyone that's curious about their body and how to be healthy and strong in a sustainable way um, as a practitioner or as a fitness professional. So that's something that we have right now. It's, you can get, um, um, NASM or ACE certifications for it. And it's, you know, self-driven, all digitized. Thank you, COVID, for making us digitize every single thing that we do. But we are, I mean, I know that we are excellent at teacher training. It's one of our strongest points because it's really me as the founder. Like I've been way more committed to that than any other part of the business because it is my passion. Um, and then we've also created a couple great programs this year. Like we did a seven day core 
that is for someone if they don't understand neutral spine and high C curve and low C curve and how to really get their bodies into those positions. It's a 15 minute for seven days. It kind of teach, it takes you from neutral spine into flexion, into extension, because that's an important part of your core too, and really helps people with the alignment and positioning in that and a stretch and release. Um, but the big thing is that we are transitioning from a franchising company to a licensing company. And this kind of, yes, goes back to, I know this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. It's like from doing the personal training and being able to, you know, see 20 people a week to being in a, opening up a studio and all of a sudden being able to see 300 people a week, it's very limited to who you can reach if you have to have a brick and mortar studio. And I think it's such a powerful method that helps so many people in their lives. I want, I want yoga studios to be able to have offer daily method classes in their business if they want to. I want you know women that just wanna teach a few of their friends each week the daily method to be able to do that. So it's really going to be able to spread the daily method out in a much wider way and give a lot of people opportunities to make some income and learn the method. So that, that's happening soon. We are working really, really hard on it and um, we will be ready to sell licenses any day now. Many, yeah, it's, for, it's, it's a lot of work. All that I've done, I've been down that road before with another company. And uh, it, yeah, the behind the scenes is like no other. <laughs> so um, kudos to you. And that's a big decision. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a powerful one. Um, I'm and, really, really excited. And, and like the, like the alignment, feeling aligned with it. I really, really do. Like I, it's something I've actually thought about for a couple of years and COVID helped me, you know, I'm seeing so many silver linings of COVID. I'm just taking that because what else can you do? Like it sucked, but yeah, um, but it really, like it really allowed me, it allowed me the time and space to develop it, but it allowed me the really seeing that like, just, I want people to be really, really successful in their businesses and COVID hit the boutique fitness business so hard. I mean, it was really, really challenging for a lot of people to survive. And even the ones that are surviving are still like trying to like climb out of that. And I think this just gives people an opportunity to make money without that big spend. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's one of the hardest hit industries and being in New York where there was no inch given and so many, I, you know, seeing so many people shut, shut down, you know, starting bar variations. I always knew I wanted it online. I was like, Hey, everybody, welcome to the zoom party. Like, (laughs) but you know, there's something to be said about that. It's like everybody having to maybe do something they don't want to do or pivoting and then figuring out pricing. And then you have to lose teachers because you can't sustain a payroll. It really, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast in itself and a lot of lessons I think learned for everybody and building the foundations of their business and questioning, you know, okay, where do we go from here? Or is it still worth it? Right. Is so, um, yeah, it was silver linings, but also, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, something that I always kind of end with that kind of brings us all kind of back together is heard at the bar, uh, something that you've heard along the way in your journey, something you hear from either your clients or your teachers, and more so now, maybe we can relate it to COVID and what you're hearing right now, 
with your bar community, um, something that you know to be true, or you want to say, no, 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 it's this way, or you can be debunk it a little bit. I think, yeah, I mean, heard at the bar is what I hear at the bar all the time is like, thank God for you and thank God for this practice because it carried me through. It makes me feel stronger and gives me a community that I feel I can lean on. I mean, mm. I'm sure. I mean, sure you understand like the handwritten notes and the like texts and the emails. Like, it's just like, I'll have a day where I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? And then I'll get this. And I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like I'm really helping people be happier and healthier and feel connection. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's about. No, I, that's, I haven't had that one yet. And it's a good one because we do so much and we put our, best face forward for our clients and for our teachers. You know, if you're running a business and you're like, Hey, and it looks all bright and shiny. And when you have a year that it's really hard to be like, put the smile on and, um, you still get those notes that bring tears to your eyes or makes you feel like, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not going to shut my business down because this is why I do this. You know, having those reminders so important. Absolutely. I appreciate all the DMS that goes for, you know, everybody listening to this DM us. Yes. I didn't think I could get Jill on the podcast and guess what? Just takes a DM. (laughs) There you go. That's all it takes. (laughs) Yes. We're listening. Um, And then my final question is more of a fun one. It's kind of taken from the old school. Like, I think it's like Cosmo, like what's in your bag, but the what's in your bar and it's expanded to kind of snack bar, drink bar, coffee, kind of like, what is the essential thing you have with you (laughs) that supports you? Um, Obviously that's not a bar class, but you know, whether it's your favorite smoothie or your favorite kind of energy, whatever, what's something that you always have to have with you? Um, This is pretty recent, but I recently did a cleanse and I always thought that I would drink coffee every single day of my life because I love coffee so much. And when I went off the cleanse and I started drinking coffee again, I was like, oh, doesn't make me feel good. And so I started doing, using the Four Sigma mushroom powder mm-hmm. and I do it with my oat milk and turmeric and I put it in there and I feel like I'm having a latte and that's like my like energy and my morning thing now. And I love it. But the other thing I have to say is meditation. Like, I know you don't carry meditation around in, in your bag, but it is like saving it's saved my life the last couple of years, you know, and I just like, I believe in having that meditation practice is so powerful. Even if you can only sit there for four minutes, it's worth it to connect. Love- yeah. Well, and that, that is kind of a bar, right? Like you have to set up your space wherever that is, whether it's like you take your walk and you're doing a movement meditation, you know, or you're sitting and just taking a moment. I love that. I think it's, so important. I, well, we were talking about how chaotic our lives are and there is K, I mean, pretty much everybody has a lot of chaos in their lives and being able to find that space where it's like, you can just be without it for a few moments, even if it's just taking deep breaths is really integral for well-being. A 100%, especially when you're a group fitness teacher and you lead teachers and you're with people all the time, you're talking all the time, you know, uh, I'm, broadcasting in from my car because this is this is my only space right now and that's okay (laughs) but 
it, you got to find it. And even if it means like hiding in your garage or like taking a walk somewhere where no one else is, and it's important to kind of check back in with yourself and yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing so much today. I feel like learned so much about you and the daily method and now excited for your future and what's to come. Thank you. Me too. It was really nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you everybody for tuning in. If you'd like to write into this podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. And you can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com where you can find show notes, archived episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.